Greetings all, welcome to Into Deep. I'm your host Jack Rowland. I've just spent the last week helping Yuria Okamura install her latest exhibition at Melbourne Now, NGV, the Ian Potter Centre. Uh, it opens on the 23rd of March. Uh, it's in Fed Square. I highly encourage everyone to get down and check it out. It's on for a fair few months, but I've had a sneak peek and there is some of the best contemporary art that Melbourne has to offer uh, up at the moment. So highly encourage you all to get down and check it out. Today I'm joined by artist and innovator Callan Morgan. Callan is a sculptor who works predominantly in steel and large-scale public art. He runs Pelican Studios in Brunswick, home of a variety of different creatives. And he's also the creator of Yuki, the insect-themed art car, fit with extendable wings, legs, and a DJ booth. It has been the focal point and music generator of many parties in Melbourne, as well as being shipped over to Burning Man and featuring as one of the many incredible art cars. Without further ado, please welcome Callan Morgan. Is there a point to all this? I think we're getting in too deep. You don't apply. Bad luck. Well, I have one speed, I have one gear. Go, 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 Good, Jack. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. Um, I don't even know what to call you. You're an artist. You're a, like, I don't know, inventor, innovator, um, all-round uh, inspirational human. Could you give us a summary of what, what it is you do? Well, some of the many things that you do? <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I used to call myself a cracked-out carny from Coburg, uh, but now I live in <laughs> Brunswick, so I might need to update my uh, profile. But yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, so my background is from circus. Um, That's so right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, left school, was looking at graphic design, always interested more in the industrial design side. Uh, then fell in love with circus and wanted to join the circus, but instead set up a company, engineering, juggling and circus equipment. And then, so from there, I learned, a, I guess, a valuable skill set around uh, industrial design, product development, um, but also precision engineering and fabrication. Mm. Um, mm. But then, and was also performing. So that allowed me to design in a the things that I could engineer and design specifically for performers, I sort of um, kind of got the inside scoop really. Like yeah. I knew that why there's the little nuances and all the little aspects that needed to it. Um, but then, so I was so performing and then also doing, uh, yeah, I'm a graffiti artist. So, you know, yeah. doing that from a very young age. So, you know, the two was sort of happening consecutively, but didn't, I mean, although I've done commissions and things like that over the years, like didn't really want to pursue that aspect, the graffiti aspect and painting uh, as a career. So, mm, yeah. Mm. So I think, yeah, I, I'm a yeah artist, designer, um, yeah, and have invented things as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's I've kind of only known you briefly, like the last, I don't know, a few months maybe, but yeah, I always kind of keep forgetting all the different dimensions. Like uh, it wasn't, yeah, only until recently I, I found out you had graffiti backgrounds and stuff. We were doing the painting out the front here, yeah. uh, here at Pelican Studios, uh, which you manage, run, it's your, your, whole, your whole thing. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, the circus stuff's super cool as well. I did gymnastics when I was in uh, high school and that was kind of the natural progression of uh, anyone who took gymnastics seriously. It was like either go Olympics or more realistically circus. So um, Yeah, yeah, circus is amazing because it's so broad. And, right. Uh, it's really, you know, this. It, it's literally something for everyone. Like, right. And, you know, obviously different body types like proportions and things like that are suited for different aspects of circus and mm. and you can chop around and it yeah it's it's something that always fascinated me even from this this sort of the highly practical point of view of um you know like you, you think about a traveling circus and it has to um you know and and sort of back in the day when I say in the day like in the late 1800s when circus was huge when you imagine that say only uh the main things that would tour I mean this is before kind of moving pictures really Mm. um so you had theater and circus and the circus would would come to you you know and so um it was it was a massive thing and and then you know we're talking like the greatest show on earth there's like three thousand a crew of 3,000 people and 90 railway cars, you know, so they had to innovate the logistics of moving that show around and things like that. And so there's a heavy engineering component but also the, the creative and performance element um, to that too. So that, I guess that's what inspired me to sort of move into that, into that realm too. So, so your, <clears throat> your involvement in circus was, were you doing any acrobatics or was it, uh, you said like, and I know you've mentioned juggling a lot and you've been making a lot of juggling uh, equipment. Was it, was it more that side of things? Like, uh, I specialised in partner ac- acrobatics. So, uh, yeah, balancing myself and others in like handstands and yeah. things like that. What um, got you into that? Uh, I think it was a natural progression. Like I, like you did gymnastics mm. when I was a kid. Um, it's the best. And then, so fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was great. And then, you know, throw that in the mix with skateboarding so right um which i guess you inherently get good aerial awareness and things too and then mm. uh yeah we were doing then yeah i guess just started moving more into partner acrobatics which it's quite similar in a lot of way it is it's all about levers and fulcrums and things like that and centers of gravity and and timing and lifts so there's it is my little mechanical mind really likes that you know mm, mm. aspect of it too because it sort of does there is a lot of um crossover or you know it does one complements the other so what circus were you in uh i didn't i actually wasn't in one particular circus because i had my company so we produced a range of juggling equipment but then we also made a, like a I um like specialty props, so like all the aerial mm. sort of equipment, like trapezes and things like that. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So that's kind of more where the the engineering side of it came into mm. it, and then uh, yeah, but I was heavily affiliated with Circus Oz, so yeah, um, yeah. I wasn't in the touring show because I had my company, but they would um, my partner they used to perform with Rocky. We used to they would book us they'd hire us out to go and do big sort of high profile events for them and things like that. So yeah. massive. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, so 
you do so much kind of engineering stuff, which I'm excited to get to, but uh, just still kind of on circus. Like when you go to things like Cirque du Soleil or this or that, and you see those giant rotating rings where they're uh, like the kind of inside and they're marching on. And, yeah. and I mean, there is actually a lot of equipment in circus that is specifically built for those kind of tricks, right? And then, mm. <laughs> Is that what you were kind of figuring out? Things like, things like that? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily to that scale um but yeah a lot of like uh things like you know like a bird cage or something right, like this right. that would get uh sort of elevated with the like a like a aerial performer on it and then that you know that obviously had to be built in a very specific way and it also had to be strong because mm. they're, they're hanging off it you know of a crowd um but then so that they could tour it, the whole thing had to come apart, you know. So, yeah, okay. yeah, it's quite, right. yeah, there's a lot of aspects that you have to cover, which are, are sort of gave me a really um, invaluable skill set mm. in terms of, uh, you know, being able to, how to design something and then how to, <laughs> sorry, my yeah, dogs dog <laughs> desperate like... for a cuddle. <laughs> um, Best dog ever, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I think uh, although it was challenging that, you know, working to those parameters, it also meant now with, you know, I build large-scale public art and so it's really, um, you know, that sort of thing of has, how does this big thing get transported, how does it, mm. like, um, pack, you know, like a lot of people can create monsters and all of a sudden they have to block off roads to get there and things like that. Right. Um, you know, whereas I have, I guess, that practical experience of going, all right, we can build it in sections and it can bolt together and da da da, you know. So, yeah, it's... A lot of problem solving. A lot of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... I mean, I don't even know how <laughs> how you get into doing what you do. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, so unique and amazing. Um where, I, yeah, let's just, I want to talk about Yuki. We're here at your studio, Pelican Studios, and Yuki is right in front of us. Uh, this would, um, at least from my perspective, be the thing that I know you most for, uh, how, how I, I guess came to know about your work. But for, I'm sure a lot of the Melbourne listeners know about Yuki, but m maybe you can kind of just give an overview of what Yuki is. Yeah. So Yuki is a an electric robotic insect vehicle. Um, so it's basically built off a four-wheel drive chassis that we've converted to electric. And it's got six articulated legs uh, and it's got wings and um, pincers that move. So there's, I think, 26 different what we call in robotics degrees of freedom so articulations in it and yeah so we can control we could we've built a, a like sort of a, a three a, or a digital twin and then we can build simulations and then test them and then run it through through like kind of a, like an animating software basically mm. Mm. Um, and it's also got a top-end sound system in it. We worked with Yamaha Commercial Audio, and so DJs can play on it while we're driving. And, uh, yeah, we take it to sort of – we do a lot of different 
events like it's been to Burning Man over in America in 2017 and was one of the major projects in White White Night and Mm -hmm. Melbourne Knowledge Week so sits on that cusp of art and innovation and also as it's made out of repurposed predominantly repurposed parts so um sort of I guess it's speaks to upcycling and you know being resourceful resilient um but the project itself I mean it was you know very sort of ambitious from the start and it escalated as my imagination just (laughs) ran with it and um and yeah so it's you know the idea was it was a project that I would sort of challenge my skill set with but also I guess was a a representation of the power of collaboration and also of the skill set that's in Melbourne um, when mm. it's applied to a, a long-term project. You know, I mean, I think we've clocked up over four thousand hours. Um, you know, that's been pretty conservative. I'm sure there's more than that um, that's gone into it over the years and the iterations. But yeah, it's been a, an amazing journey, and um, and it's still incredible to watch people vibing on it you know yeah i mean so it is magic it is like so phenomenal it's i don't know kind of just gives you goosebumps to uh see experience and even to i mean it's still kind of hard to comprehend that like you made it you know that uh (laughs) that people people made this it's like i mean for the listeners it's it's kind of the best like simplification would be like a burning man art car where that um be if yeah you can't see it um how how tall is it how how wide is it uh so it's, yeah it's about uh well when the legs go out it's about four and a half five meters like the span um and then the wings go up it's about four and a half meters and then the length is it's about six and a half so he designed it to fit uh in a 20-foot container, and that's mm. how we got it over to America. Right. And then um, and in around Australia, we, we ha- it goes on a big car carrier trailer. Um, and, and I guess the whole idea is a biomechanical approach, like um, all the workings are sort of carefully detailed, but everything has its a purpose and a function to it. And, and so, yeah, big influence you know, for me is biomimicry and, um, in yeah, a lot of my work and that. yeah. And what's, what's biomimicry? Uh, so I think the technical definition is it's, you know, observing and learning from nature and using, um, you know, it like things that nature's already solved to, to help really humanity mm. like solve the problems that we're facing today, you know? So, um, I mean, it's really incredible. Like there's so many ecosystems and organisms and things like that. And, and that, you know, evolution has produced that we could adopt, you know, into and to resolve a lot of the things that we're trying to do by, sheer brute force basically mm. using you know like from you know like ph balances and things like that instead of using chemicals you can use um you know introduce just be smart and you know, observe nature and then go okay well nature's already solved this problem like right can right. we apply that to 
this situation, yeah. So some like, um, I mean, what, what examples would you give of uh, maybe biomimicry that's been um, demonstrated through innovation? Uh, I mean, one, one obvious one that I can think of would be like, you know, the Red Bull kind of wingsuit, which is kind of copying like a sugar glider. Yeah. Um, I think, is it, don't they use uh, like he hexagonal shapes, kind of like honeycomb has been proven to be like a really good, like structural kind of um, building Way, way of building or um yeah i mean a lot of you know obviously airplanes as you mentioned things like that wing mm. shapes have been based off um even the the battery was like the guy that invented one of the first batteries depending on how far you want to go back mm. um but uh yeah he studied a torpedo fish which actually holds electrical charge and zaps its prey and oh, that's wow. kind of how the first sort of cell batteries were developed but wow. then it goes through to um you know things where they're developing paint that's got the texture of uh that emulates shark skin because it repels water and so it means that buildings don't have to get washed like to just develop mm. a paint wow. with the texture that dirt doesn't stick to, you know? Wow. So <laughs> That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, so there's there's so many different aspects, you know, that especially now that given the state of play with, you know, the looming bleak future and the global warming is heightened, you know, we need to, you know, be observing and studying and implementing a lot more of these, you know, things. Um and yeah, I mean, which I think is amazing, like when you marry that with technology. So mm. I see that technology isn't our savior, but it's an enabler, you know? And so, but it's, you know, the way we think and the way we connect is actually what the way forward, you know? But yeah. We can then accelerate it with technology, you know? Would that kind of be, um, I guess, biomimicry? as a concept or a driving force, would that be kind of central to your, I suppose, your entire practice uh, of create creativity? Um, you know, that that striving toward meld, melding technology with, with nature and in a harmonious way? Yeah, I, I think that it's definitely in like an underlying aspect to it, but mm. also, you know, and, and I'm heavily moving more into functional art and right. with, with that as a driving message behind it. Um, but I think also, I think sometimes there's a real beauty in art for art's sake, you know what I mean? And, mm. and it can, you know, provoke the imagination or just a response or a resonance, you know? And I think that, that also is a really important place mm. too. Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's... That's the thing that um, every time I speak to you and learn about the projects that your future projects or have worked on, I think that's the thing that just one of the things that blows my mind the most. It's not just the conceptual, the awesome concepts that you come up with, but you're also, um, I mean, so much problem solving and, and creating sustain, you know, weaving sustainable practices in with these things. I mean, you said that Yuki started as a four-wheel drive chassis, but you've converted it to... Uh, electric yeah so we um so you charge you charge that thing yeah so we 
literally bought the the chassis for four hundred dollars. It had a blown engine on Gumtree, and then um, you know, and I'm I'm a moron. A chassis is just the basic bare bones of the thi- of of a car, right? Yeah. Like well, we bought of- we was well. We, <laughs> It started, we bought the whole car with a blown engine. It was right. a Mitsubishi, yeah, four-wheel drive van. Mm. Um, but what's left of it yeah. <laughs> is basically the, the the running gear, so the, the, the transmission, the suspension, the wheels, right. and the, the frame that the body attaches to. Mm. Mm. And so that was like a key aspect. Like it was like, oh, okay, does it have the kind of shape, the, the, sh- the chassis or the frame? Similar to what we're looking for for the 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 uh, the body of the insect, and mm. then you know, and then we got an old forklift, like a forty-five-year-old forklift motor and controller, and then um, and then took that to the yeah, and then coupled that to the transmission and things like that. So it was a pretty um, it was a pretty uh, big like learning learning curve. I, like I bet huge, you know, um, and you know, like anything. There's heaps of different things that we do differently now. You know? Okay. Um, so you kind of like what, what would be one what would be one thing that, looking back, you would. Oh, just like um, I think so. Some aspects. Sorry. No, you're right. <laughs> My dog's <laughs> gonna carry on. Um, <laughs> you never work with kids or animals. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so adorable yeah uh yeah and i think just like the you know there's just sometimes it's good it can create a parameter but like i mean i guess we didn't have a lot of money like so Mm. the way the the sort of model worked was um we i knew that i could sort of bankroll the build cost but i couldn't bankroll to pay everyone so basically um what we did was we sort of built it very resourceful and then everyone logged their hours and the hours equates to a percentage ownership in the project. Mm, cool. And then so once it starts, I mean, it, it was generating profit, um, but, you know, obviously COVID kicked in and then we sort of upgraded some stuff too. So once, you know, then those profits get distributed or they can get sort of put back into other projects. So I guess it's a way to get, large-scale projects off the ground with minimal seed funding. Mm. Um, and so sometimes that, you know, having to be resourceful can create opportunities in a sense because it's like, oh, you know, we all the batteries, original batteries were ex-mobile phone, tower, backup power supply. So then we got these batteries and then um, we were able to, you know, sort of that got us up and running, but it, it made the the vehicle very heavy so we've upgraded to lithium ion batteries um and then and that carved about 500 kilos out of the out of yuki which is huge in the scheme right so yeah yeah wow i mean yeah like you said the learning curve i'm sure was steep um i it's just so there's so much you need to know about mechanics uh robotics um <laughs> making the whole thing run electric electronically do you just plug it in is it yeah so um yeah so at the moment it just well it can it can charge off uh you know just like a wall socket but i guess the idea was how can we you know make it sustainable in terms of 
the power. And um, so we started to think about, you know, what's like what if we were going to make something that we could charge Yuki off, what would it be? And then the logical progression was to build a giant solar flower, you know, because mm. it's kind of loosely based off a bee and then the bee charges from the flower. And that's so that's the next project, which is Mirror, which is a big um, robotic solar flower that has six articulated petals. But to give you an idea of scale, it's about 12 meters high, which is wow. sort of like um, four stories, something like that. Far out. You know, sort of <laughs> high. And uh, and the idea is that there's all, you know, you can run power outdoor events from it. Um, but then also there's outdoor sort of um, charge ports so people can come and use it like workstations or, uh, you know, charge their personal devices and things like that. So, again, it's that trying to create a direct connection between, well, the sun and how it harnesses energy and our daily life, you know, and then mm. where we use that energy, you know, and... Um, and making it beautiful as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and did, did you say it's kinetic or articulated? Is yeah, so use? the petals yeah. articulate to track the sun over the course of the day. <clears throat> and then at night it it moves through like this full kind of majestic uh, performance with a soundscape sort of thing. So it all lights up. And wow. Yeah, so we won the City of Melbourne Open Innovation, like the top solutions winner for uh, in 2021 mm. um, for that and then we've got the support of the museum to put it out to front there but we're sort of currently just trying to generate um, funding to build it because it's big and complicated and expensive yeah i bet 12 uh 12 meter size is, is hectic yeah so i mean would that be once you build it will that kind of have a permanent home or are you, is this going to be a kind of uh, we'd be able to pull it apart and move it around and tour it. Um, yeah. Hmm. Well, the vision is that it can tour, like the first one, and that we could take it to civic spaces in regional towns as well. And then we have a whole education program around doing, uh, you know, circular economies and sustainability and also innovation hmm. that could then get activated in those towns. Um, uh, but... It just depends on or potentially could be permanently installed somewhere where they would, you know, if it's a redevelopment of parklands or something like that and then it, and it could stay there. But mm. I guess the, the broader vision is that is to put them in every city or every state and then sort of link them up, you know, through a create a community and a network and sort of like a mycelium sort of thing where they've, cool. they can talk to each other about how much, about the the data that they're capturing and the power that they're using. And then, you know, we can also um, host a series of talks, you know, yeah. around there. So. Yeah. That's so cool, man. <laughs> so, so yeah. incredible. So I guess um, that's kind of my, <coughs> my North star at the moment, mm -hmm. the big, the long game. Have um, you, have you started any production of it yet? Uh, just design. So yeah. 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 Like obviously doing a lot of the R and D about, you know, what, what's actually going to power the pedals to move, how much, you know, um, looking at the different, like, systems to do that and also being aware of the, the power consumption of those systems to make them efficient. I mean, it's not, 
it, from a technology point of view, it's it's more a statement. But the actual most efficient way is a giant flat sort of panel that can articulate. Right. You know, um, but he wants to stand around and look at that. You know, so, mm. yeah. You know, but I guess it's also raising awareness about um, you know integrating sustainable systems. Mm. into and renewable energy systems into art and architecture yeah so not just looking at putting flat panels on a roof or you know how can we you know how can this encompass into something that's quite beautiful and you are the future you're literally dreaming up the future of how (laughs) this could like how this could work how could this look good (laughs) you know (laughs) it's so it's so cool i mean far out like with with all this when 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 did you realize you were so in, innovative and and I don't know what does kind of being innovative mean to you like it's but it's not really how my brain works I don't think that's how most people's brains work of just <laughs> <laughs> combining so I mean it's like I was saying before so many elements of uh, the 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 art side of things make it conceptually beautiful and then the functionality and just uh, having to combine so many different. Uh, so much scientific knowledge from different fields all into into one project um yeah when 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 did innovating large projects really become part of what you want to do it would scare scare the hell out of me trying you know (laughs) just going in not knowing anything right (laughs) learning new skills is hard yeah (laughs) and i think that's it's kind of interesting because i i mean i never went to university um Mm, and which is kind of interesting now that I'm building these big projects for universities. Um, yeah. But it, so I, I sort of ran my company, you know, like being self-employed since I was 20, basically. Fantastic. And so I learned everything on a need-to-know basis and it was sort of a choose your teacher, choose your mentor basis too. Mm. And, um, and I guess... You know, when I was first started my business, my first business partner, his dad was um, Grant Featherston, who's a very iconic 1950s furniture Australian furniture designer. Mm-hmm. And Grant had just passed, but his um, uh, Julian's mom and Grant's wife, Mary, was was still um, yeah. And so I learnt a lot from you know from a young age been around innovation you know about mm. you know looking at new ways to do things applying new materials in different industries um and also how not just to replicate like how to just kind of you know and obviously you, you fall on your sword a bit so and you go down a lot of rabbit holes but um mm. you know you inherently just progress like with your skill set there too but yeah i guess it is that not really kind of cutting yourself down and just trying to think it's okay to be green, you know, at things and, and, you know, and finding that there's a lot of amazing people out there that are willing to give their time to, if you're dedicated and passionate about what you're trying to achieve, Mm. you know, and that's a big part of it too, is sort of trying to work out how do I, you know, looking 
you know, something from another industry and then how do I apply that to what, what I'm trying to achieve, you know, or, and, and just sort of intuitively feeling your way through that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a team or just, Uh, just, just a good network? I've got a really good network and a lot of people that have friends that we've, you know, crossed like paths over the years and then we've connected or we've worked on projects together as well. Um, so I guess everything, not every time, like you, you definitely build on stuff too and you build on relationships, but I guess the way I work is like each, you know, project can be completely unique. Um, so then you bring in the skill set, like people accordingly to do that. Mm. Um, I don't try and know everything about everything. Um, and there's areas where I'm just like, I don't, you know, I guess that's just acknowledging the bandwidth that you've got and, and also your strengths. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and so, but you kind of need to know like broad strokes in some areas to, to even work with those people and also to marry it all up too, you know. Mm. I think there's a real art in that, like, and i kind of interested in that, what that model looks like, that collaborative model and and how do you, you know, because, you know, you, you, you have to have the vision and you're kind of steering the ship in a way, but at the same time you need people to feel invested and empowered by the their aspects of the project that they're doing too Mm. you know and to take ownership you know yeah i mean apart from all that stuff you also throw an incredible party like you had yuki going at the sydney road festival the other day um went to the closing i think that was the first time i actually like came across you was i uh came to your warehouse party at the closing of the old pelican studios and it's just incredible. It was awesome. Just like yeah, that <laughs> such was... a good vibe. Every everyone's dressed up like it was a festival. Just um, yeah, it was it was it was a good party. Free. I was like, where do I pay for entry? They're like, oh, free party. I'm like, well, fuck, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was wild. That was um, I mean, we'd been there nine years, and I think you know that the start of I guess Pelican 1.0. You know, that was really me transitioning from my circus like equipment role into doing large scale sculptures and public art and um and more project based. Mm. And so but also at the same time I was like I wanted to set a space up that I could work out of and that was big enough that I could build things like Yuki in, but then I guess surround myself with other creatives, you know. So mm. trying to um and, and see what that model looked like. So I was spending a lot of time in uh, the Bay Area over in the States on the West Coast. And um, right, Oakland, Berkeley, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I was trying to like look at going, okay, what, what's this, how does this model work in terms of a creative space? And then, you know, sort of looked at a few different models and then came back and went, you know, well, I could probably just do this by myself. Then I can move a lot faster and quicker. And then... So yeah, set up Pelican Studios in Coburg and, and then it, yeah, I mean, it was incredible. Like over the nine years, the amount of watching so many different designers and artists and their careers flourish and mm. the amount of creativity that rolled out those doors was incredible, like some huge projects. And um, so it was really beautiful to have invite 
you know, and cast that net a little bit wider, you know, mm. and just say, hey, we kind of want you to come and just, you know, get a taste of what, you know, this is this is Pelican Studios. And, you know, so we already had a – I mean, it was crazy. Like, we got the – the keys to this place this you know the brunswick warehouse three days before like it was mm. like really tight so then we had to haul ass and you know we got a lot of machinery and equipment had to like basically empty two-thirds of the warehouse and then bought in <laughs> more artwork for the party <laughs> and then you know had to kind of after the party which you know was incredible as you said like yeah. the, the vibe was and just just you know it actually really inspired me to do it all again you know right because it obviously Great. takes a huge amount of work to you know to activate creative spaces and, and to get the right vibe and you know so um so but it was like wow yeah okay this is i feel apt to, to do it all again mm. so yeah yeah it's great yeah um you're saying you spent a bit of time in the bay area you also said that uh you took yuki to burning man um was Burning Man, you know, you, I've not been to Burning Man, but you, you hear a lot of stories that Burning Man's now become this like incredible Silicon Valley networking thing where incredible, you know, microdosing creatives connect and <laughs> start innovating incredible ambitious projects. Um, was, was Burning Man, uh, was that a big, um, uh, you know, th thing in your journey that, made you starting to want to build make or shift your career into this kind of work like like flowers that are <laughs> open up and create battery power you know harness energy and art cars and all these incredible things was was that a big part of your inspiration yeah i mean the first burning man i went to was in 2004 mm. and then 2006 and it was smaller then and um but it did what Burning Man does is it provides a platform for some pretty way out stuff to come mm. to fruition, you know? And it looks so um, incredible. I mean, with <laughs> some like semi unregulated, you know, yeah. approach, um, you know, it's getting a little bit more like, you know, they're knuckling down a bit more on the engineering and that too. But, um, and so, yeah, definitely not only that, but, the collective consciousness and the power of you know um you know being more than some of the parts and uh, yeah. also like manifesting and creating um and you know a, a mindset of how can you apply that into your community you know mm. um so i think that definitely played a big part in it in in me and my sort of trajectory um and yeah and i think speaking to the you know what they call the pay and play like now there's there's a lot of money at burning man but you know um having gone through the whole like to receive an honorary grant from burning man to ship yuki over there too you know it's very much about the art and the desert you know and uh but now it's like a city and there's parts of the city like any city you like and other parts that you don't you know right um and i think that you know, if there's all these, I guess, influential people floating around and some of this culture rubs off on them and maybe it shifts the mindset, so be it, you know. But I think Burning Man was smart in the sense that they really promoted 
uh, regional been, and so I'm about to go to one in WA called Blazing Swan, mm. um, and there's regional burns all around the world, and they're still they're smaller, so that collective consciousness is stronger because it can sort of exist, and they're a bit more intimate. Um, so even though maybe the Burning Man itself has been a bit glorified, like the ripple effect is 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 present you know so yeah 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 Yeah, i mean the the level of art and creative genius that you see displayed at burning man is just next level i mean Mm. the the temple alone that they burn every year that it's just it's so beautiful yeah and then that just goes up in flames every year right yeah oh it's amazing and and some of the (laughs) most amazing experience i've had is been before the actual festival started you know right and it's incredible like you know it's just something really peaceful i mean they say it's a desert but it's a dried up lake bed you know okay. so it looks like you're on the moon but there's a yeah. you know there's a town like five miles down the road mm. and then reno is like an hour away so it's not like australian desert but mm. it's still there's something about it you know and it's um just that blank canvas and i think watching all these huge projects getting you know, because everyone sort of tends to camp around the piece, you know, and then there's all these these huge support networks of people that are, you know, really kind of investing and themselves in this one or two people's vision, you know, and, mm. and I mean, that's, you know, for such long periods of time, you know, and I think, um, and it's incredible. It's incredible what can be achieved, you know, Yeah. when there's that sort of, you know, that sense of empowerment, you know, it's great. So you said you've been to two Burning Mans? Uh, I've been to six or seven. Okay. Was it, and, and when did Yuki, how many had you been to uh, before Yuki entered the, the uh, actually got flown over there? Uh, shipped. Yeah. Shipped, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, we didn't yeah, the, receive the, like the, the bee artery. <laughs> the bee didn't fly. <laughs> yeah, or it didn't, yeah, it wasn't like like executive, like carry on. Um, uh, yeah, so I think I'd been to, quick head count, five before okay, that. Okay, yeah. sure. Well, yeah, um, no, yeah, so I've been to six in total, yeah. I mean, how did that feel from you know, going there the first time, seeing all these insane art cars moving, you know, moving pieces of art that are shooting fire and I don't know, have, yeah, DJs playing on them or whatever and and then the moment to actually being a part of that, you know, (laughs) actually being one of the the people creating the magic. I mean, did did you have one of those moments where you're just like... Well, yeah, so I, the the two prior to... To 2017, um, an artist who has been Michael Christian, who's been building stuff for Burning Man for a, a long time, and artwork I'd admired, you know, um, very much inspired me. We had we became friends at the Cairns Eclipse, and uh, it's great, and then, um, great festival. Yeah, that was incredible. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. And um, best best festival I've, I've experience I've ever had. Yeah. So we and I sort of was helping the Symbiosis guys out do the moon stage which was this mm-hmm. giant junk ship like yeah. chinese junk ship that had crashed into the yep and sort of can help conceive the idea and then fabricate some stuff and you, did you say what you you guys conceived that idea of the moon stage originally well, they were talking to us about that was the best stage of the whole doing thing it, yeah and then um <laughs> so cool. and then and then we yeah we were like what about and then um 
they were like, we don't have the capacity, so that some the, some crew built it in the states, and then they came out and became tight with them, and wow. including Michael Christian, and um, so then he started flying me over to help him build his piece uh, Drift in 2013, and then Epod in um. Uh, 2014. What were they? Uh, Drift was these incredible, almost like Trifford looking characters, like these, you know, they were huge and they had these long sort of tentacle legs and they looked like they were, you know, through the dust that it looked like they were like creeping or like slinking across the desert. Were they like people with in stilts and long stilt arm kind of things? No, uh, I think no they were like these things. sort of pod kind of characters. Wow. And then, um, so they were just stationary. Yeah, okay. Um, but they just, the the expression of movement was incredible. Like they were like these sort of sand creature sort of things. Wow. Um, and then, excuse me, and then uh, E-Pod was a, it looked like a giant steel seed pod. Mm-hmm. But it was, I think, like six meters, six, seven meters high and it spun and you people could climb on it and get inside and, and yeah, so um, oh, they're right, both man. incredible projects. And so I guess, yeah, I sort of became my second home, like that area and spent, I was spending a lot of time over there. So for me to receive, like, well, one, Burning Man don't, necessarily they don't fund mutant vehicles mm. they have a thing again but they sort of for them to acknowledge and say hey this is different like this is sort of the next level um so that was really yeah like i was quite chuffed to receive you know an honor yeah. to receive that but then i think also for me personally watching you know my friends like michael christian and orion fredericks you know and the people who admire the artwork and them mm kind of being amazed by Yuki, mm. like that was my own little personal, like, wow, you know, it's something that we had built on the other side of the world and bought it there, you know? Yeah. And it's also a big pond, you know? I mean, you've got a lot of money, like millions of dollars being thrown at these mutant vehicles and um, watching those guys that, that build those really high budget, big budget mutant vehicles tripping out on Yuki was also great too. You yeah. Know? So... Wow, yeah. man, you've worked on some incredible projects, dude. This that's just—I don't know. Must what a what a cool career and life you've uh, carved out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so unique. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's. I kind of um. I don't know. It's. It's not to say that I've just. It's the norm. I guess. Guess mm. it's what you know. I just. I guess you just got to be dedicated and. And also, you know, there's always trade-offs, you know, and you're kind of making things fit, making it work too, you know. I mean, I have the ability to, um, if I need to, like, jump into more engineering, fabrication side of things. Um, I guess my fallback is I uh, build artwork for other people mm. to walk. In a way, I will collaborate with them in the sense where I'm not the artist, Um uh, but then I will come in and deliver like key components and sometimes help basically push the project over the line, you know, mm. um, which is, it's a great experience. Like, um, yeah. you know, I did 
like three projects like that last year working one was working with um uh vicky cousins an artist vicky cousins amazing woman um for international mother language day and a piece called mother tongue which is out at um uh, tani state state tani library and then uh yeah another one working with an artist robert walton which is now it's a big volumetric led heart that um is wow. up in melbourne connect which is part of melbourne university and um in the same building which is still up for another few months um which is probably one of my yeah definitely one of the favorite ones from last year was working with the artist uh, Stalark. Um, yeah, I've had Stalark on the show, on the, this podcast. Oh, yeah, right, he's, excellent. He's yeah. the OG, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We. Um, How was that? How was working with Stalark? That's, that's it got, was great. Oh, was he one of your kind of heroes growing up or anything? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he's... Studied him in, like, I think high school and had to do, like, a little essay on him. And, yeah, sorry, but you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, I mean, he's definitely... He always been at the forefront of, I guess, futurism and, mm. you know, man and machine and that what that dynamic looks like. So I guess for me, you know, being heavily involved in my body, you know, with the circus, but then also building machines, I can I can relate to that, you know, mm. that symbiotic relationship. And and so yeah, it was it was really interesting. Like I mean, so I was working with Stalark at the Melbourne School of Design um, to build. A piece called Anthropomorphic Machine, which is um, an eight meter high uh, kinetic sculpture that is moves and contorts through these pneumatic muscles, so air muscles, um, mm -hmm. and it can react to, to people's movements. And it's um, currently on being exhibited at the Melbourne Science Gallery, which is within the Melbourne Connect building. And um, wow. yeah, but. No, I really enjoyed um, working with Stalark. You know, it was great sharing stories and hearing his um, so many. I mean, we spent a lot of time hanging out mm. and uh, while it was being built and um, hearing his stories about the, uh, you know, like all the early days, the suspension yeah. stuff that he was doing from cranes over Copenhagen and, yep. you know, like, yep. um, and just yeah you know sort of working with these different principles through to i mean him hooking himself up to the internet you know just mm. post dial-up basically you know it was sort of really early days so yeah it's some pretty pretty amazing he's still got the, he's still got the ear on his forearm that's like i mean i was talking to him and just hearing about the kind of i think you saying there was a i can't remember how many surgeries that were involved but quite a few like four or five different surgeries. I, I, I'm making that yeah. number up. I can't remember the number, but you know, there's complications. I think he wanted to have a, some kind of microphone device in there so it could actually hear and, um, uh, yeah, infections I'm sure are like, just <laughs> like yeah. going to happen when you're putting wires inside your body even. Yeah. I mean, I suppose at any point, right, you think you're living in the future, but now looking back, that was quite a long time ago that it was doing those kinds of things. So technologies mm. would have advanced so much more. Um, uh, yeah, be interesting. Yeah. In such a fascinating guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's actually doing a performance this, uh, Saturday at, um, well, I don't know when this is going to go to air, but yeah, at the science gallery with the machine. So 
Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. What, what, what's, uh, what's he doing? Uh, so he does these sort of soundscape performances and these he has um, – I'm not sure if he uh, is using – he has a – I can't remember the exact term. It's, it's, it's like a robotic arm that attaches mm. to his arm and yep. he does um, – and it's got a series of sensors and – uh, things that he can control um, that he performs with and that's this Saturday I'll yeah try and go that's yeah awesome mm. yeah so it'll be, be interesting to see him work yeah. with it yeah yeah he was meant to do a no he did a performance at my high school and uh, I think with that arm and uh, I was sick that day and that was when I was just kind of uh, learning about him and I was so bummed so I've never actually seen him do any performance but yeah yeah that'd be wild that'd be that'd be incredible um are there any other uh, artists or thinkers that, you know, you really look up to that, you know, just are working in new technologies that really excite you? Or, uh, Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, there's so many. I mean, I'm constantly just in awe and getting blown away mm. um, i feel like your field of interest it would just be a, a treasure trove that i'm unaware of you know of just exciting where science meets art and just create uh, crazy innovators that just think outside the box that yeah i'd love to hear about the people that you look up to these days <laughs> yeah i think i mean i mean i definitely my biggest inspiration is nature like yeah. I think in terms of where I get compelled the most to then want to create, you know, mm. and express through that. Um, you know, I'm just constantly blown away by, you know, things that I see in nature, observe like aspects or it's just so much, so rich, you know, mm. <laughs> like in a constant stream and it's just trying to keep up. Um, but I relate to that totally with my practice in a yeah. very different way, but yeah, just yeah, <laughs> yeah, nature. Sure. That's that's what um, drives me for sure. Yeah, but um, watching, you know, and, and I think I kind of get inspired and watching. Yeah, like you mentioned that that crossover between art and science mm. or art and innovation, and you know, and I think, um, and it's interesting, you know that umbrella of that word creativity you know mm. and and because i mean i work with engineers and they're like oh, i'm not creative and it's like well i think you might not necessarily be artistic but you are creative because yeah. that's kind of problem solving in my mind you know and then problem solving is but trusting your gut or acting on a feeling and then thinking your way through that you know creativity is, is problem solving yeah in yeah. a way you know and that's yeah, what totally you know and and it's sort of that you know, walking into the unknown, but just trusting the feeling that, you know, that you will work it out, you know? And so I think it's interesting that that sort of crossover, but I think coming back to your question about artists, um, I, I've got like, one guy is, I can never, it's Cho Yu Ram or Yu Ram Cho. Like I can never, which way he's a South Korean, like Mm. kinetic sculptor. And, um, yeah, he's doing some really beautiful uh, work. He works a lot around um, uh, like cam systems. So, mind you, he's just done this amazing one that's that's sort of not using 
like programmable. Um, when I say cam, it's like like a single drive point, and then all these things um, rotate through gears or pulleys or whatever off that single drive point, you know, and it creates these amazing, but it gives it a really beautiful uh, rhythm as mm. such, you know. Uh, so yeah, he's definitely uh, amazing. Yeah, an artist that's still, you know, way back when, like when I took the lease on my warehouse in, in Coburg and I was sitting there going, what have I done? You know, <laughs> I've, I've taken this lease on this big dirty warehouse and then, <laughs> I sort of thought, oh, I'll just check my emails. And I, my friend sent me a link to his work. And it, I was like, that's what I've done. Yeah, this I is I want to be like this, this guy, you know, yeah. like, you know, he's using machines and da-da-da. And, yeah, I think – so, yeah, it's definitely those little, you know, people along the way just kind of mm. give you a little, a little jolt to kind of go, yeah, keep on going, yeah. keep on doing what you're doing, stick to your – I don't want to say stick to your lane, but just – just stick to it you know mm. doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna like keep on doing that thing but you know sometimes you gotta go over here to go over there you know right <laughs> like right it's just that thing of just yeah point the compass in one way and keep on going you know there was this like video that went viral <clears throat> years ago on youtube i think it was uh funded by maybe bmw or something but it was this kinetic kinetic artist that had built this big uh, it looked like it was made out of wood uh, the the video was on a beach and it had um it was com- looked like this big wide thing with a whole bunch of weird spidery legs and it was completely just being propelled by the wind. So uh, do 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 you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Like yeah, like the sand crawlers, I think they call them. All right. Um, I mean that I think that just blew everyone's mind when that came out. That is just the most incredible. Yeah, Theo Jensen. Some I can't quite remember his name. Yeah, mm. yeah, I think he's Dutch. It's kind of cool. They um. Yeah, they're very uh, simple, but they also have this ability to kind of harness energy through like a like a, a like a soft drink bottle. So it can build up when the wind does blow. It can build up pressure into this thing, and then it gives it enough to to shoot out the next like yeah. almost like pistons or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I, I like the idea that he just lets them go. And yeah, I mean, how do you stop that? <laughs> organically just kind of work their way mm. on a beach or something like that, you know? And, yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of, you know, it can be to the detriment of the artwork, you know, because mm. it's exposed to the elements, but it also can inherently, um, yeah, uh, create very beautiful, um, undetermined aspects, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure it's Mirror, the new project with the flower. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that take, takes up the majority of your brain space now when you're just constantly trying to figure out how to make bring this thing to life. But, uh, you know, are there any other kind of technologies or, um, <clears throat> yeah, technologies that, that excite you that you would like to work with or learn about or incorporate into future projects that you haven't, you know... And, and like, for instance, that things just being completely generated by wind, as we're just talking about, is um, pretty pretty exciting to see. Mm. I mean, obviously, solar yeah, harnessing the sun's energy and um, creating beauty at the same time. Um, yeah, is there any other technologies that really? Well, I mean, one that I want to pursue more is I've done I did one sculpture, which is a 
the a pelican sculpture here mm. and um and so it was a like a technique that i'd like to do more of um and i thought i would have by now but obviously other things get in the way um but it's using ar or augmented reality to actually um create the the 3d the finished 3d piece mm. excuse me so i was thinking yeah so basically what we did was we modeled it in a um uh, in a software called uh, Rhino, and then we took it into a plugin for that called Grasshopper, and then we through that we were able to output the um, like all the links to be cut, and so they all got like now we could we've got access to a laser tube cutter, so all the parts could get cut, and then we wore um, augmented reality goggles or a headset, um, and or a mixed reality they call it, and then. Uh, basically, we were able to move the parts in space um, based on the one-to-one three-dimensional model that we were seeing through the headset. So you so, can make more mistakes and without wasting materials, right, by doing that? <laughs> well, what it means is you don't have to build any formwork. Mm. So sometimes to keep all your proportions right... Um, you'd have to build it what they call a jig or some sort of frame that then would um, get cut away or removed um, so that all your proportions stay right. Or in this case, because um, you've already done all that work and you're just welding it essentially to what you're seeing through the headset and moving these parts in space to where it lines up, you don't have to do any jig work or anything like that. So... It's some a way that you could create. Obviously, imagine once you start talking scale, hmm. keeping proportions correct is um, becomes you know a lot more difficult. So I think I kind of understand, but it sounds <laughs> pretty yeah pretty awesome. Yeah, it's easy to just see it, like a video of it. Like I'm the, probably not giving the best description of it. Um, I think if you ever, but if you're familiar with augmented reality, the idea yeah. is that um, it's like an overlay of what. You're seeing, so it's not virtual. You're not in like a completely mm, mm. Um, surreal environment. Like it's, it's you're seeing everything around you. Like you'd see this chair, this table, everything. But then you'd see like basically a hologram. Yeah. So you, yep. you're you're just placing the parts to to lay mm. line up. You know, like the numbered part. Yeah. The, right. The part in in the hologram, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, old Knock has been doing a bit of augmented reality with his um with his murals i think deviate as well it's like really become a thing in the street art world as well yeah yeah which is really cool yeah yeah it's yeah. awesome yeah no that's uh, yeah like in the kind of in yeah like some, you can access it through your phone or yeah mm. there's whole, lots of different techniques like that way yeah i think i mean again these are all i mean they're just tools like you have to have a strong sort of idea like for me that would be more how we could i mean get the same result but it just can help like accelerate the process you know mm. so might that might mean you could do things more detailed um because you've got more like time to you know to achieve yeah like that outcome yeah, yeah. in a sense mm. i mean it seems you know, talking about Stellark with uh, being kind of 
old school futurist and stuff. I mean, is futurism like? Do you consider yourself? Uh, I suppose you are like a futurist. You like your your works are really conscious of um, of environmental footprints and and um, building technologies to actually pr progress. So you know, not just churning through oils and using old uh, sorry new new materials, trying to like repurpose and stuff. I mean. Yeah, what what is what is your vision of the future? What 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 do you where where, where do you hope we go? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it really is up like people like you to to get people excited. I, I think you know when when you can see what's possible because not everyone thinks like that. Uh, mm. it, it at least shows people where to invest, right? At least shows like uncreative people where what's worth investing in and what's what's possible. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously the. I don't really know what my question is there. Just no, no, no. But I guess, I guess, what's my out, like take home or outlook on the future? Like, I mean, I think it's bleak, you know, mm, in a sense that yeah. I mean, the writing's on the wall, you yeah. know. We, and if we don't want to be delusional about that, mm. I think, you know, we're up against it, and I think it's a really exciting and daunting times that we live in and i think that things need to change and they need to change rapidly um and there is a lot of change going on like it's easy to get um disheartened and you know obviously like where you choose to get your information from it's choose your own adventure and, yeah and you know there is a lot of incredible stuff that is happening and and there's huge shifts are going are happening and have to happen you know um not just from an industrial point of view you know and obviously from a renewable point of view but also how we communicate how we connect um how we relate to this planet you know and um and i think there's a disparity and a divide you know and um and I think there's an awakening happening and we're, there's, you know, we're seeing huge shifts in, in conscious states, you know, um, and also the adoption of new things in, into what mainstream medical, like we're seeing, you know, the more acceptance of psychedelics in, in, you know, the medical realm and trauma. Cause yeah, like, basically the wheels have fallen off the cart and it's hurtling down the road, you know? Mm. And, um, and so as daunting as it is, it's exciting because it means that, um, if you're, if you accept that where nothing is, nothing is certain and that everything is in a state of transition and you're willing to ride those waves, you know, and intuitively feel your way through that, then, um, it's a roller coaster, but it's a hell of a ride, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what really is the state of play, you know. I mean, that's probably where the most uh, groundbreaking innovation will happen is out of necessity, right? You know, the more mm. the more problems that we face, the more um, the more necessary it will be to to innovate solutions to those things. Um, the uh, uh, just the the shit thing is we uh do a terrible job of of catching that before it's too late you know yeah 
and also, I mean, we inherently want to ride on the successes or the coattails of something that's proven, you know, mm. as opposed to just seeing something for what it is in the infant stages, you know, because um, sometimes when it's proven, it's too late, you know, it's like, well, no, you got to get behind this now, you know, mm. and I think also that localizing and and sort of um and you know obviously what the lockdowns demonstrated was how integral a sense of community is and how much we need each other you know um, absolutely yeah. yeah yeah definitely yeah Callan man you are an incredibly inspiring person <laughs> just <laughs> get you. uh yeah so so excited just i don't know even just being able to have access to you, hearing about what you're doing and stuff. It's like, it's just, uh, it's really, really cool, man. It's like uh, incredible. And um, uh, like I say, you throw a great party. This, the contribution to the, to the fun aspect alone is just, uh, is huge as well. I mean, there's also like with Yuki, I mean, how many incredible artists, DJs and bands, or probably not bands, but uh, you know, some of your idols have, I'm sure, rocked out on, on that thing, yeah? Yeah, well, I was saying before we got on here was to, um, about how, yeah, part of Yuki was to create like the ultimate experience for the for the people playing as well. Mm. Um, so that they were just, you know, so we sort of spent a lot of time making sure everything was laid out well and all the details and things like that. So, yeah, they could have... A pretty wild ride too. So. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always to talk with you. And um, yeah, also look forward to seeing the front of Pelican Studios uh, get more paint on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, you've, uh, you've done a, an excellent job and we've kind of set the standard. Yeah, yeah. Watching, um, yeah, watching it evolve and it's definitely put us on the map. You know, there's constantly people taking photos and... Yeah, I think it, um, I'm watching with bated breath what you know other people bring to the table and, and what we keep on adding and you know it's always going to be evolving. But I yeah, think, yeah, we've we've definitely made a good start and it was incredible to cl- collaborate with you on. Yeah, man, so so fun, so fun painting with you. It's yeah. the best. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, hopefully I'll do it again soon. But um, thanks again, man, and thanks everyone for listening. Oh, by the way, do you, uh, how do you want? Do you want people to find you or support any of the work you do? Uh, yeah, you can check out my uh, website. At the moment, I've just got a company website, which is the pelicanstudios.com.au. And then also on Instagram, which is Callan, C-A-L-L-A-N-Finelli, uh, underscore Morgan. Awesome. Wicked. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. Bye.